and welcome to Weddings Unveiled, the podcast for your wedding planning process. I'm your host, Leah Longbreak. We know how exciting and stressful playing the big day can be, and we're here to help, providing you with information and advice from industry insiders and those with firsthand experience. On today's episode, Real Bride Stephanie Paganini shares her experience planning a New England destination wedding. Also a talented and acclaimed chef, manager of the Loretta Paganini School of Cooking, and on season two of Food Network's Sweet Genius, she'll give you her catering advice for your reception. Stephanie, thank you so much for being with us today. So excited to hear your wedding journey with your husband. Start by telling us the proposal story. That's a great story. So my husband, Alan, and I had been dating for about a year. And my older sister, Beth, had sort of a whirlwind relationship where she met a guy, they moved in together and got engaged and were planning their wedding within a very short amount of time. So my um, husband, Alan, had said to me when we were just dating, like, look, let's not anything away from her experience and let's just be prepared. I'm not going to propose anytime soon because this is sort of Beth's year. And I was like, oh, okay, I guess that sounds good. <laughs> I do regular food segments on Fox 8 News in the morning. I'm on once a month. I had scheduled it months you know, previously and the menus are usually done about a month and ahead. So I knew what I was doing, which happened to be a beet salad. And I was all set to do it. I showed up that day and the producer, Margaret Dakin, who's a wonderful person said, hey, you know, the news crews are going to have to be doing something outside. Can you pull into the studio? So my car got pulled into like the van lot indoors, which I thought was weird, but I'm like, okay. So I got there and I was running late that morning. So my hair was like in that messy bun. When I got there, I had forgotten a backing to one of my earrings and it had fallen out somehow, you know, along the way. I had forgotten an apron. They had an apron in the studio. I just folded it in half so it didn't have the, the box logo, tied that around my waist. I, mean, I was having one of those mornings. And Margaret was like, where are your earrings? And Because usually I wear big earrings. And she said, I said, oh, I lost one. And so she's like, I'm going to find it. So she was digging through my car. And then she's like you know, you need lipstick. And I was like, it's a three minute segment. I know I don't look good today. Like it's fine. And she's like, no, I really feel like you should wear just, she was, I've got makeup. And so she went up to her office and she was like putting makeup on me. And I was like, I must look so bad today that she's (laughs) trying so hard to make me look better for TV. (laughs) So I go and I do my segment and I do it with Christy, who's, you know, wonderful. We work really well together, Christy Capel. And Usually at the end, Wayne Dawson and Stephanie Schaefer come in and they eat the food and all of us sort of chat as we go off air. And so Christy said, you know, oh, this is a great, you know, beet salad, blah, blah, blah. Guys, come try it. And they didn't come. And I was like, well, that's weird. Like, why? Like, I said, I must look terrible. My beet salad must seem so awful that nobody wants to eat it. And there was this huge children's choir that had been singing on set all day. So I'm like, you know, we're looking around and I'm like, oh my gosh, somebody 
do something like, cause Christy wasn't like talking or saying, okay, well let's go to break. Cause I'm like thinking, no, my God, this is dead air. Like get, get off the dead air. You know, like nobody wants to eat my beet salad. Like, <laughs> so then all of a sudden around the corner comes Stephanie Schaefer and Wayne Dawson and, and they're holding like Alan's arm. My first thought is like, why is my boyfriend here? And then I thought, oh my God, my family died. And they have brought him to tell me that my family has died because oh my I don't God. know why. This was my first thought. <laughs> I didn't think, oh, my boyfriend's here to propose. I thought, oh, my family's dead and he's going to come tell me. So he walks up to me and he starts talking about how when we first started dating, I made a beet salad. And, and I'm thinking, but my family's dead. Like, what are you doing? You know? And so then he pulls me out from around the demo table and he gets down on one knee And that's when I realized, oh, he's proposing. (laughs) And I was so happy and so relieved that I started crying. But like, not like, you know, the girls you see in the videos, how they're like, oh, and they're like beautiful and like just sort of lightly patting their their perfect makeup. Right. I was like crying so hard. One, because like he proposed when I didn't think he was going to for a long time. My family was not dead. That's not why he was there. (laughs) That everyone really did like my beet salad. They weren't running away because they didn't want to taste it. So I started ugly crying. Like I had snot coming out. And you can see it because it's live on television. Snot coming out of my nose. I was crying so hard. But the ring was beautiful. The ring was beautiful. And that's, that's the important part of the proposal, right? Did you say yes right away? I did. I did. I mean, I was crying like I had my hand covering my face, trying to cover the snot. I was like thinking thousands of things at once, but I did manage to say yes, which was good. So how long between that amazing proposal, (laughs) amazing, and the actual wedding? How much time did you have to plan? He proposed in December. We just had our like proposal anniversary. So proposal was December and we got married in June. Oh, so a very short engagement. Very short. Well, yeah, I was, I mean, I was an older bride. I was almost 40, so I didn't want to, oh, okay, let's get it done. <laughs> well, on top of having a short engagement, you decided to do a New England destination wedding. We did, yeah. And what made you decide that? So my husband is very attached to the state of Maine. It was a place that he vacationed as a child. He works at a a music festival there every year. So he goes to a very specific part of Maine every year. He had been married before and had always gone solo to those places. And he said, you know, when he met me, he knew I was the one person that he thought he could take to Maine and would appreciate it the way that he did. So it became a place that we would vacation as a couple together too. And in fact, the last time we were up there, they had just opened this brand new restaurant called Aragosta in Stonington, Maine. And we sat there and food was so amazing that we joked, like, you know, if we ever get married, if this ever lasts, like we should get married here. <laughs> so after he proposed, we kind of thought about, okay, Cleveland wedding. Both of our families are from the area. Both of us work in multiple kind of large colleague-based businesses. And so we were looking at, you know, a wedding list of four to 600 people. Wow. And we were like, because if you invite this person, then you have to invite this person and then you have to invite that person. And if you don't invite that person, they'll feel bad. So we were like, how do we not do that? So we thought, okay, destination wedding. And then Maine was just such a magical place for us that we chose that part of Maine to have our vacation or to, to 
ultimately have our wedding. So once you made that decision, usually the next step is choosing the venue and you kind of domino effect from there. So what made you decide the spot that you had the ceremony and reception? So we chose the reception spot first because we went back to that chef in that restaurant and we said to her, we want to have you cook our food. Like that was paramount to us was a lot of times the reception location is what you choose. And then the food is sort of like what you can get at that place. And we wanted everyone to be like, this is the best meal we've ever had at a wedding reception. And we knew that if we used that restaurant and the location, it's in Stonington, Maine. And Stonington, Maine is the number one port for lobster in the world. Oh, wow. More lobsters come in. So it's a very heavy lobster fishing, little tiny Maine, perfect picturesque place. And her restaurant sat right in, um, right on the water and it had floor to ceiling window just out looking over the bay where the fishing boats come in. So we asked her, how many people can you fit in this restaurant total? And she said, if I do really long tables and kind of squish everybody together, she goes, I can get 40 people in this location. So we invited 38 people to the wedding. Oh, wow. 45 people showed up, but we invited 38 (laughs) 38 people. (laughs) How did some people sneak their way in? I had um, a friend who who's a good friend of ours, but and it sounds terrible to say, but hadn't made the A cut, right? Hadn't made the 38 cut. But other friends, my my best friends who had mentioned it to her and they had planned to rent a house together. And she just thought her invitation got lost, which is totally me. And I could see them thinking that. So when they reached out to me and said, hey, we got our deposit down on our house, but so-and-so hasn't gotten her invitation so that she can map it out. I'm like, oh, so we had to send that very quickly. <laughs> so, so we had 45 people in a space that only held 40. <laughs> but at least you were able to make that work. Yeah, it worked. It was fine. You know, luckily, when everybody knows each other, you don't have that awkward, you know, needing that space in between strangers, right? So, I mean, people were literally partially sitting on each other's laps, but it worked. Like, everyone was happy. They had been together all day, so they were fine. So going from a four to 600 possible guest list to essentially 45, how did you make that decision? Like how, how did you decide like these are the true A-listers? So it was one of those things that I think every little girl, or maybe not every girl, but me as a little girl, I dreamed of the princess wedding, the big wedding and the cathedral and the train that's 20 feet long. I had to make a decision, you know, sort of in my heart, like, is it more important that wedding or is it more important that I'm marrying Alan and having a wedding that works for our budget and for our lives? And so obviously I chose Alan (laughs) over the wedding. It was one of those things where I really felt like we chose obviously our family and even within our families, you know, we didn't choose all the aunts and uncles. And I was initially sort of jealous of my older sister who kind of swept in with this relationship and got married, you know, very soon before we did. Her wedding was in November. Alan proposed within two weeks of that in December. And then I got married that June. So luckily, many of our sort of extended families had all just gotten together and all just spent money to travel to that wedding and were quite comfortable with the idea that they didn't have to travel again because they had just seen all of us six months earlier. So it was actually a win-win because 
my sister Beth ended up having to have that wedding with all the have to invites. And I was able to have a wedding with just, you know, I told my parents they could invite one couple. <laughs> like, and you know, parents usually invite, you know, 17,000 people, their mailman, <laughs> you know, like all the people that are important to them. I didn't have that because they had just done all of that and everyone had just, you know, gone to Beth's wedding. So I was able to then have that very tiny wedding with just a very few important people in our lives. Thank you, Beth. Yeah, I know, right? Like, thanks for taking one for the team, Beth. <laughs> did she stand for you as a witness? Like, did you have a bridesmaid or? Yeah, we, again, we kept it small. So I had my two sisters, my sister, my older sister, Beth, and my younger sister, Julia, were my, were my bridesmaids, matrons of honor. And then, um, cause I couldn't pick one of them. You can't do that when there's three, right? So those two, and then my husband has two very good best friends. And so those were the best men in our wedding. Oh, that worked out perfectly. It was great because everyone did double duty. For example, my sister Beth is a, is a singer and my husband Alan's best friend Jason is a, is a Grammy award-winning classical guitarist. So we had them do the Ave Maria together because there was only like 20 people, you know, so there's 40 people in the church. Like they, people have to have different roles. So that's amazing and fairy yeah. tale-esque. Yeah, it was wonderful. We really, um, I was very lucky too in that my mom who's so amazing, but she completely planned my sister Julia's wedding and she completely helped plan my sister Beth's wedding. And I said to her, I don't want any help. I don't want, I want it all to be me. I want to make all the decisions. I don't want you involved. I just want you to happily show up and just relax and be there. And so that worked out really great for me because I was able to plan my wedding, the wedding that I wanted with all of my details. And everyone was very happy just to kind of show up and be a part of it. My name is Cindy Burnett, and each week I interview at least two traditionally published authors on my podcast, Thoughts from a Page. We talk spoiler-free about their books, so you can listen whether you have read the book or not. And then we delve into things that you most likely won't hear about anywhere else. The importance of the cover design, why they included various aspects of the story, personal details about both the books and the author's lives, and so much more. You can find the podcast on every major platform and learn more about it on my website, thoughtsfromapage.com. Thanks so much for checking it out. So with a lot of weddings you know, the, the bride and groom, the couple will provide hotel room blocks. But with your destination wedding, did you have something already prepared for guests? Or was it kind of like your friends, like, hey, we're just going to go find a house or we're just going to figure this out ourselves? The region of Maine where we got married is a really unique region. And that was one of the kind of neat things for us was that it's not a destination that tourists typically go to. It's called Down East Maine, and it's a little below Vacation National Park, which is a tourist destination. Down below us is Camden, which is another tourist destination. But this middle area called Down East is, is sort of really rustic Maine and really only locals. So what was nice is that because we had been traveling there for so many years, we knew the inns or the rental properties that were really of value and the ones that you wanted to kind of were creepy, stay away from. These are weird cabins in Maine that you don't want to stay in. And so when um, guests said that they were coming to the wedding, we were able to send them this little packet we made of here's where you could stay, you know, here are some great choices and here are the different towns in the area. 
And here are the pros and cons of staying in those places, you know, as they are relative to where we're getting married. So even though you didn't have like the huge, what you would consider like fairy tale wedding, you did look like you came right from a fairy tale. The pictures are, are, are all on the Weddings Unveiled social media, so check it out. But how did you decide on your dress? Because the dress is such an important part of the it big is. day. Everything about my wedding, Leah, was one of those things where it just kind of fell into place. I had gone dress shopping and I I wish I could tell you I was that bride that, you know, found the dress and was like, yes, I put this on and this is perfect for me. I didn't. I found two different dresses that I was like, they work, you know, the one that your mom wants and the one that you kind of want, and they're not really the same. And neither were the ones that I was like, this is my dress. I love this dress. But I actually put a down payment on a dress. Even as I was leaving, I was like, it's not the one. I don't, I don't think I like it. And my mom's like, no, it's lovely. It's perfect. And I was like, I just don't think I like it. So I actually called and canceled within an hour that deposit on that dress. So then I just started exploring like wedding sites online. And I found a beautiful picture of a beautiful dress and it had all the elements that I wanted. I wanted a little bit of lace, but I wanted it to be an A-line and I wanted it to be kind of poofy, but not, you know, marshmallowy. And um, <laughs> it just the dress I found online was beautiful. And I said, this is the dress that I want to wear. And so I actually used the same company, obviously the same bridal shop, but I had them order this dress for me. So I bought my dress having never tried it on. They said, there's, you know, they're not going to get it until about two months before. And so I, I mean, I really gambled. I bought a dress I had never tried on and hoped that it would work. And I don't know if it worked or if they just have the most amazing seamstress ever that, you know, made it work, but it, I, I loved it. It, it met everything, everything I was hoping to have in a wedding dress. And I got it. You just felt like you. Yeah. You know, I think it's something where you you kind of envision what you want, but then again, I was older. So I I wanted something that, that spoke to me as, you know, as a professional woman versus, you know, a little princess. And so I just, I, but it still was romantic and beautiful and sparkly and I just loved it. And you looked stunning in it. Thank you. I, I feel like sometimes when you are happy, you glow. And I really think the wedding pictures reflect just how happy I was in that moment. Speaking of your wedding photos, one of my favorite photos is something I can relate to. You have an awesome photo of you and Alan where your veil is right in your face because of the wind. And as someone that got pictures taken by the lakeside, (laughs) I understand trying to keep the damn veil down. (laughs) I love that photo because our photographer actually, in Maine, you know, you have to have multiple jobs in order to make a living. So our wedding photographer, she was part-time ski instructor, part-time wedding photographer, part-time photographer for the local newspaper. I mean, so she, I mean, she really just does so much. Andrea Keen, and she's amazing. Andrea Keen, I should say. When she takes photos, and what I loved about her photos is that being a newspaper reporter, it's not about making them glossy. It's about capturing an emotion. And I think I love that photo so much because that, you, as you know, you're sitting there and you're in your head, you're thinking, you know, smize, smize, you know, like <laughs> look sexy, but ethereal, you know, like, you're trying to like 
get all of that, you know, uh, America's Next Top Model going in your head, right? Yes. And in that moment, you know, Alan's dipping me by the water and I'm thinking, yes, it's a dip and there's boats and the lighting, like this is going to go, you know, somewhere big, like 20 by 30 on a wall somewhere. And then right at that moment, you get smacked across the face with your veil, right? <laughs> so... I love it because our reactions in that, you know, are just, we're laughing because it's like, of course, life is not perfect, but that's the beauty of it. And I think that picture captures that. So I'm, I'm glad that you appreciated that and liked it. Oh, I love it. All your pictures were phenomenal and she did a great job with them. But that photo in particular, I was like, I so relate to this moment. I've been there. <laughs> There were so many things that were so interesting. Our minister, the minister of the church we use, we we went in February to Maine to kind of go around and explore different places for churches. There's so many tiny little churches in Maine, but we were trying to get a good feel of one. And I wanted stained glass, which really doesn't happen in that part of Maine. There's only a couple. And, you know, and, and so we're trying to, how do we accommodate these people? But how do we get stained glass? Like we were trying to fit all of the, the Tetris pieces together. And we found this really sweet little church. And so we spoke to the minister there and she happened to be away the week that we wanted to get married. So there was another minister that stepped in and, and we used him and he called us a week before our wedding. And he said, I I just don't want you to panic. And when someone starts any conversation about your wedding about a week and a half before your wedding, like you panic, right? Instantly. So the bridge, there's this huge bridge that takes you from mainland Maine to the island because we got married on Deer Isle. And so the bridge that takes you there, it was having its hundred year celebration or something, or it's bicentennial, it was some big celebration. And so they had decided to shut the bridge down that day. And they were going to just have a party on the bridge. So that was what was happening. So our guests would not have been able to get on the island for the wedding unless they were already on the island the day before, which didn't work because many of them had gotten rental houses in different parts or whatever. And the church was being used for a pancake breakfast about an hour before my wedding. (laughs) (laughs) So they were figuring out how we would get it decorated and get the pancake syrup off the benches and stuff in time for me to walk down the aisle. And he's like, but I got it covered. Don't worry. So we were like, okay. But so luckily the federal government told Maine they couldn't shut the bridge down because it was a, a an actual thoroughfare or something. And so for emergency vehicle purposes, they weren't allowed to shut it down. Phew. And wow. so, um, and my wedding smelled like pancakes, which was a bonus, right? I mean, who doesn't want maple syrup smelling weddings. We liked it. That's amazing. Yeah. So all free. (laughs) People are pumping sense into like their spaces now, like a thing. You have to pay for it. Yeah, I didn't. I mean, you know, and there were leftover pancakes. So like as we were getting ready to line up, you know, like the, the, the flower girls were munching on pancakes. It was fine. It was great. Everyone was happy. So it worked. You mentioned the lobster before and the delicious food from the chef. And you yourself being deep in the culinary world and being this acclaimed chef, it had to be so hard for you to decide what exactly to have as your your meals for the wedding, right? And your cake? Or is it really easy because this is what you do? It was, for me, it was so fun because the chef that we worked with, Chef Devin Finnegan, and she was just nominated for a James Beard. I mean, she, and this was her first year that she had opened her restaurant. We were the first private event she had had in her restaurant. So this was 
This was her first attempt at being her own chef and being an executive chef in her own right. So to sit down with someone of that caliber, of that experience, and like, as we talked menu, she'd be like, you know what, I'll make sure I plant that so that I have it available for your wedding. I mean, think about like just the level of culinary expertise she had. And it was, Alan was like, he said, he goes, <laughs> that's my, I'll tell you a little bit about my husband. He's like, that was the sexiest conversation I've ever like watched two women have. Like, and I, I mean, so, like, you know, we weren't, you know, talking about anything X-rated. We were, I was like, oh, what about like, could you do a little bit of like a le- lemon guest? And she's like, of course. And she goes, but what if I added, you know, a little bit of time on them? I'm like, oh yes, that's amazing. You know? So, and he was like, I was just sitting there going, yeah. And then what? Yeah. Ooh. Yeah. Put time, baby. You know, he's like, <laughs> I was like, that's why I'm marrying him because he gets it. He gets what's important in life. But yeah, no, it was wonderful. And her lobster ravioli, you know, obviously the lobsters are coming straight off the boat. So she's getting lobsters within minutes of them being taken up off the floor of the of the ocean. But what she does is she doesn't boil the pasta. So the pasta doesn't get boiled in water. It gets butter poached to cook it. So you have butter poached lobster ravioli. And then what she would do is she took each of the lobsters, she took the claw, the main claw, and she would open it in a way that the whole claw came out. And that was part of the garnish was that you got this whole lobster meat claw right on top of it. She just, her excellence, her attention to detail, using all of the flavors, literally from her personal garden to make our meal, it was sublime. And she and I, we both, we like, we have a, um, we still love each other. We still send each other, you know, emails and Facebook friends and, um, I just adore her and I adore the work that she does. And like I said, this year she was nominated for a James Beard. So, um, and, you know, people talk about how Mainers aren't very nice and, you know, they're kind of closed knit people. And I had the opposite experience. It was very much for me, the florist worked with me because I, um, I wanted my flowers obviously to be peonies were really in when I got married. So I wanted some peonies, but to get a peony in Maine, they're like $20 each because you know, Maine is so up. It's like in Canada. If Canada wanted Maine, I feel like the United States would be like, you can have it. Like and it's, <laughs> it's up there. We can't get up there. It's too hard. You know, so like <laughs> guineas aren't like in Maine, you know, so she was able to give me my one little peony and then she filled it with like wildflowers, like lupin, which are really big there. And then I'm a huge book reader. I'm a book nerd. And my favorite book of all times is Pride and Prejudice. And so I wanted to incorporate that in there. So she let me cut out of old copies of Pride and Prejudice parts of the books. And then I shipped those to her and she incorporated those hearts with the from the book into all of my wedding bouquet and all of my wedding, my floral and that's so romantic. It was so perfect. It was and and then I used instead of, you know, because they don't want you to use rice, obviously it's bad for the birds. And then I didn't want to do bubbles because that wasn't sort of the feel of it. So I used dried rose petals. And so we I made little paper cups for everybody with dried rose petals. And that's what they threw as we came out of the church. And you have that's one of my favorite photos too, is the rose petals, everyone throwing the rose which they stain, by the way. So nobody do oh. that because they get into little body crevices that are warm and then you got red red color everywhere. Interesting. Pro tip though, couples. Pro tip. With your culinary expertise, what tips do you have for couples when it comes to choosing their food or their cake? So the food definitely go with less is more. I really think 
we had two main choices. A lot of restaurants, I mean, our chef was very good because we had a last minute guest with some food allergies. And so she had to quickly, you know, adapt some menu items to that. But we really only had the pasta and then we had um, a protein and a vegetable, like a a a vegetarian choice. But don't feel like you have to offer the world. If someone does something really well, even if it's chicken, like if they do a really sublime chicken, then go with that. Go with fancy doesn't necessarily mean it's going to taste better, right? A good roasted chicken, even with, you know, some really nice mashed potatoes, I would rather eat than, you know, some fancy food that's been touched by a hundred hands and has been sitting on a plate for six hours. Absolutely. Food is, you know, important. It's part of the experience. I mean, as chef. So for me, like we, we made the choice of venue based on the meal. So I'm going to want to budget a lot more to the food than maybe most people do. You know, honestly, I think the food is, aside from the wedding dress and and the happy couple exchanging their vows, the food is probably the number one thing that people take away from a wedding. That entertainment. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, for sure. You know, no one remembers the little cards that say their name on it, you know, where they're sitting, but they'll remember if the food was good or not. I agree. So it's worth budgeting a little bit more for. Yeah. Or go someplace where they do food. They know food, you know, and the location is something that that can, you know, build up around that. We were very lucky with our cake. We had our cake and then we had our groom's cake. And I was lucky in the sense that I had competed on a Food Network competition show called Sweet Genius. And I did a, uh, I didn't win. (laughs) You should have, you were robbed. Oh, thank you. I truly believe I was edited to look much better than I did. But um, I had a lot of fun and the other contestants were really lovely. And one of them, we stayed very close. Actually, the person who won, we stayed very close and, you know, stayed in contact. And she's this wonderful cake baker out of New Hampshire. When we were going up to Maine, you know, there's not a bakery in this part of Maine. And I said to my husband, I said, no problem. We're going to be up there three or four days before. I will just make the wedding cake. It's no big deal. And my husband's like, no, thank God for Alan. Because he was like, I, I'm going to forbid this. He's like, I'm, I never put my foot down. I let you get your way. He's like, but I'm going to really forbid you making your own wedding cake. Cause I really feel like it's gonna, you're gonna, you have a lot of other things you want to worry about. And I want you relaxed and I don't want you stressed. And I don't want you worrying about where the cake is when you're trying to get ready for your wedding. He's like, so he's like, no. So I said, all right, Smart well, I, man, Alan. So I called my friend in New Hampshire and I said, I need your help. I'm getting married in Maine and I don't know any bakers in that area. And who would you recommend? I trust you. And she said, do you know that I deliver to Maine? I actually do wedding cakes and I do them. I deliver up to Maine. And I said, no, but this is far up. And she's like, I actually am delivering a wedding cake an hour away from where your reception is that weekend. And I was like, oh my God, that's amazing. And I said, great. I said, I will happily order a cake from you. And she's like, nope, that's my wedding gift to you. So she gave me my wedding cake. She gave me my groom's cake. That was her wedding gift. Oh, that's incredible. And talk about things falling into place. Right? I mean, it really was. And I was like, you can't get anything better than that. I mean, she's an amazing chef. She's an amazing person. And so our cake had different layers of, it was a, a chocolate cake with coffee buttercream. And then the other layer was a lemon cake with a blueberry buttercream. 
those were mine. So the wedding cake were my flavor choices. And so someone who wanted chocolate and coffee could get that. Or if someone wanted something lighter, like lemon and blueberry, we had that layer. And then my husband, he's so sweet. He's so old school. His favorite cake is like supermarket cake with like that hurt your teeth icing, you know, that's so <laughs> yes. sweet. So sugary. Yep. So the groom's cake was that. I mean, it was supermarket style cake with supermarket style icing. But um, she did the whole outside and fondant to look like a lobster pot and have the two lobsters sitting in the lobster pot because lobsters supposedly mate for life. So Yes. As a Friends fan. Yay. I love that. <laughs> that's yes. right. I'm your lobster. I'm your lobster. That's so awesome though. What a great yeah. groom's Groom's cake idea. Definitely it really beats, was cute. It beats the bleeding armadillo from Steel Magnolias. It does. <laughs> what is your favorite TV wedding dress? My favorite TV wedding dress. I don't know that I have any. I love them all. That's the problem. It's like every wedding to me is beautiful. Every dress to me is beautiful. Back from when I was a kid and you're watching The Little Mermaid and when her dress sort of just appears, you know, and I'm like bawling my eyes out. Like every wedding, because the bride is so happy in that moment, there's so much love that I think every dress is beautiful and every wedding is beautiful. I don't have one that I, that stands out as like for me, the absolute bath. Do you have one? What's your favorite? For TV show, that's hard. I, I don't know. Like my, my brain immediately goes to Luke and Laura. <laughs> <laughs> That's how old school I am. <laughs> You're I'm not sure, old enough I'm, to know I'm Luke sure, and Laura. I'm 37. Like, oh, I grew up, okay. yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm older so than I look. <laughs> That's awesome, though. Obviously, being a Friends fan, I love all of their wedding dresses. Even as not great as Jennifer Aniston's, Rachel's dresses on the beginning of the yeah. whole series, you know? <laughs> it's still, like, sentimental. Yeah. Monica's was incredible uh-huh. to Chandler, but, you know. So any last piece of advice for couples planning their wedding, especially if they're deciding to do a destination? So in a destination wedding, find a local resource to help you. We were very lucky that one of the, so there's lots of little towns in this area and where we usually stay is called Brooklyn, Maine, which is sort of in the middle of Blue Hill and Stonington. And I happened to call up there to ask if there were any resources for wedding venues, for wedding things. And I got this very sweet librarian who just became basically my my co-wedding planner. And she would send me names of people or she would happen to be at the supermarket. Oh, I was, you know, she'll email me. I was at the supermarket and I bumped into the florist and I asked her how your wedding, you know, stuff was coming along and she was mentioning this. And so um, I invited her. She came to my wedding and my rehearsal dinner. So she just became a friend. So having someone, if you're going to a destination wedding, someone you trust or someone, you know, that that knows the locals and knows places that can answer questions for you, like, ugh, I'm deciding between A and B, and they, they'll be able to say, ooh, A is really great, B is not so great. So having someone local that that you know and trust and anticipate the unexpected. My parents were hosting the welcome gathering of people at their rental house. It was just going to be like a cheese and wine thing at their rental house. And they were doing it for the night they were flying in. So they were flying in that morning. They were going to hit the supermarket driving up from Portland. And then they were going to have, you know, wine and cheese for people as a welcome. Well, their flight got canceled. So they ended up hopping in a car and driving the 18 hours to get so that they could get to my rehearsal dinner in time. So their opening night welcome dinner 
they couldn't host it. So Alan and I raced out, we bought wine, we bought cheese and we like, we got the keys to their rental place and we hosted it in their place while they were, you know, on, you know, hour 13 or whatever, driving up to Maine from Cleveland, things are going to go wrong. And, you know, you're not at home. There may not be a Walmart on the corner. There may not be, you know, a place for you to race and get a, a replacement, something. So kind of be prepared that, Things may go wrong and it's okay. You know, your church will smell like maple syrup, but that becomes part of the story. So that's a great tip. Thank you so much for sharing your story yeah, with us. Oh, thank you this for letting so me. Fun. Thank you so much for letting me do that. Thanks for listening to Weddings Unveiled. Make sure you subscribe to the show on your favorite podcast app so you never miss an episode. And make sure you check us out on Facebook. This has been a production of Evergreen Podcasts. A special thank you to executive producers David Moss and Gerardo Orlando, production director Bridget Coyne, and audio engineer Eric Coltnow. Don't forget to enjoy the journey. Mm-hmm.